0: My name is Ryan. I'm the student pastor here. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was at life group with my my adult guy life group, and we were um, we kind of we we did we weren't doing the church curriculum yet because they didn't have it that week, and so we kind of just picked something random. But it wasn't random because the Holy Spirit was working through it. And we looked at John five, and God um, kind of put a word on my heart. And we, we talked about it in group that night. Um, but I knew that it was uh, meant to be preached here at United um, during this time where we're just kind of preaching what the Holy Spirit leads us to. And the Holy Spirit led me to it. And, um, and so I'm really, really excited about it. The title of the sermon is, Do You Want to Get Well? Everybody say, do you want to get well? And tap your neighbor on your right and tell him, yes, I do. All right. Super excited about this. Um, so uh, if you're a human being, you've been sick. So has everybody in this room been sick before? Okay, we've all been sick. We're all on the same page here. Um, you know, you get sick, you might have like a sinus infection or the flu or um, uh, some kind of like rash or something like that or, or, or strep throat or something. And you just feel like terrible and, and you don't want to get out of bed. You might have a fever or whatever. And, and like, have you ever been in that place where you get sick and you're like, I don't even remember when I felt good, like ever? Like, even though you've only been sick for like a day, you're like, was was life ever good? Like, was I ever healthy? Like, am I ever gonna be healthy again? I feel terrible. I'm never gonna feel better. And you're like, and the doctor's like, well, we can get you in next week. And you're like, next week? What are you talking about? Like, I need some help right now. Please heal me. Give me some medicine. Something. I cannot live like this any longer. Um, maybe you've been in that place where you like get so sick, and you're just like. Like I cannot wait till I get well because when I get well, I'm gonna be so thankful. Like every moment that I don't have a migraine or I don't have a sore throat or I can eat without it hurting or I cannot puke, like, like I feel like I'm gonna be so excited. Like I'm gonna walk through life and life is gonna be so good. I'm gonna appreciate it more. But then you get back to regular life and you just kind of act the same way. But when you're sick, like you want above all else to be made well. When I was, uh, when I was five years old, I had chicken pox. Has anybody here ever had chicken pox? So here's the deal. I thought we all got it, and I found out I'm so old that since I was a little kid, they got a vaccination for it. And so, like, I was preaching the last service. I was like, that's all they got— chicken pox. And they were all like, uh, "Like we don't have that anymore. We get vaccinations. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like a grandfather. So I'm like, I hate my life. I feel like I was born in the dark ages. Anyway, when I was a, when I was a child, there was this virus or this disease or whatever it is um, known as chicken pox. And you broke out all over your body with these sores and it itched and it hurt. And, and there's really no cure. You just got to let it run its course. And mine was really, really bad. My, my pediatrician told my parents it was the worst case he had ever seen. I remember my eye being swollen shut because there were chicken pox on my eyes. And, like, uh, like I still have scars on my body from the chicken pox that I had 30, 27 years ago. Like, like, it was, like, the real deal. And I remember my mom was like, well, Ryan, we just got to, you know, you know you how have, you have those hazy memories from when you were four or five? Like, you only have, like, two memories or whatever. So that's one of them. And, and I had this memory of, like, my mom being like, well, we got to get in an oatmeal bath. And I'm like, like, I, I, it took me years to realize that an oatmeal bath wasn't just like oatmeal. It was like some kind of—I thought I was gonna be like swimming in Quakers or something—but it was just like a normal like thing to make my skin feel better. And uh, and so I took the the oatmeal bath to try to make it better. You put cream on it, but really you just gotta let it run its course. And I just remember feeling like I cannot wait to not have chickenpox. If you like have ever had like itchy rashes, like like like, and you, and you get it like in the middle of the night, and you're like trying, like you're like. I'm not going to itch, I'm not going to itch, and then you're just like, like you itch in the middle of the night, and you're in your sleep, and you're just like, you wake up, and you're just like, so itchy, and you can't, you like, like, I hate my life, like, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but man, I hate, I hate feeling itchy, um, and then more recently, uh, I get a lot of canker sores in my mouth, um, like on my tongue and on like, like, my, my, like my gums and around my, oh gosh, it hurts so bad, the roof of my mouth and my throat. And, and like I won't have them for like six months and then I'll get a bunch at once. And so I got to use like this special toothpaste to, to help me not get canker sores. But, but anyway, about like seven years ago, I was in Jamaica on our mission trip and, uh, and, and Jamaica... Yeah. It's a great trip. The kids love it, right? You guys are all begging and fighting each other to, to go on the trip, but man, it's not the most pleasant experience. You're hot, there's bugs, you're itchy, like, like you don't eat the food that you want to eat, so it's kind of like not the most pleasurable experience as it is, at least physically, but I had these canker sores one year, and, and it was bad. I remember I counted in my mouth. I had 12 canker sores at once. If you ever had like a canker sore, you know like You're like, amen, hallelujah. Like, that sucks. And it was like, there was one in the back of my throat. And this may not look very big, um, but when it's in your mouth, it feels like it's like three meters wide. And uh, this was in the back of my throat, like something that big. And I remember, like, any time I drank anything, any time I just, like, swallowed my spit, any time I was eating, like, it was excruciating. And and you're in Jamaica, and everything's, like, jerk sausage jerk pork jerk chicken and it's just all hot and spicy and I'm like oh like this is terrible and I want to eat and I'm hungry I've been working all day but I can't and and I'm supposed to drink because like 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 I'm gonna be dehydrated but like I, I it physically hurts to drink anything and I just remember looking around thinking like Man, I just wish I could be like everybody else—just sweaty and having bug bites all over me. No, but instead I got like these canker sores all in my mouth, and I'm hating life. And I just remember thinking, like, man, I cannot wait. Like, and you start making deals in your head, like, would I pay a hundred bucks to get better right now? Would I pay a thousand? Would I give up my left finger, my left pinky finger? That's just my pinky finger. I I just want—I just want to feel better. Like, like you start making these deals in your head, and, and you just want to get well. And just like we got these physical issues that we want to get well from, there's a lot of things in our life for all of us, whether you're a Christian or not. For all of us, we've got issues in our life that have the ability to really cause us a lot of pain or are causing us a lot of pain, but they're not necessarily physical. It's not like a rash, you put cream on it, it's not something you can get medication for. We've got these emotional issues, we've got relational issues. We've got addictions. We, we've got things that, that we cannot stop doing. We've got these temptations. And we, we all have them, whether you're a 3-year-old or a 93-year-old and everything in between. And It doesn't go away. It's not something that just gets better. You always are going to struggle in life. We're all sinful. We've all messed up. We all have our own issues. But the thing with, the thing with non-physical pain is that in some ways it's not as bad, but in some ways it's worse. And I think if I were to ask you, like, what's your biggest struggle right now in your life? What's your biggest temptation? What's your biggest sin that hurts you and hurts other people? And then I said, man, would you want that to be healed? Would you want that to be fixed? Most of you would be like, of course. Like, of course I want to feel better. Of course I want to be made well. But, but it's not always as obvious as it seems. It's not necessarily The most obvious yes. We may think in our head, oh, of course I do. But when we really get down to it, it's a more complicated question. So that's what we're going to look at tonight is this question, do you want to get well? We're going to look at John chapter 5 and look at um, an account of Jesus meeting a man and involving this question. It says, sometime later... In verse 1, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. So Jerusalem was like the capital city. It's like New York City. It's like the big city that everybody goes to, and they're having a party. It's a festival. So everybody's going and visiting their friends and their families. They're having parties. They're having feasts. And uh, it's a big-time deal. And so everybody's going there, and Jesus, of course, goes up to Jerusalem. So the city is hopping. Everything is going on. And it says, in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool. Now, the Sheep Gate, uh, keep in mind, our cities now don't have walls. But at the time, um, all cities had walls or you weren't protected. And Jerusalem had uh, a wall around it. And in the top northeast corner of the city was this gate called the Sheep Gate. And it's a way that you could get in and out of the city walls. And uh, near this Sheep Gate um, was a pool. A pool. And in Aramaic, it was called Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. And it was surrounded by five covered colonnades, and so a colonnade is kind of like a kind of like a porch, kind of like something like like a deck, and so it had like a like a like a ceiling for shade. And so we got kind of like a little little pool surrounded by um, some some shade, some decks, and uh, and and that's what was in the northeast corner of Jerusalem. Now here was the thing about this this pool; it was fed by a spring. And, you know, many of you have probably been to like Jenny Springs or something. The the water's fresh, the water's cool, the water's clear. And in the desert, that's even more valuable. And so in a time where they didn't have hospitals and they didn't know much about bodies and sicknesses and stuff, like they looked at water as something that could heal. And, And like the Greek and pagan religions, they had taken this spring and turned it into this kind of like this, this mythological pool that would like heal you. It's almost like uh, if you've been to St. Augustine, you know about like the Fountain of Youth and it's like this corny tourist trap and um, it's really nothing, it doesn't do anything. But like there's these stories about it that say, oh, well, if you drink the water, you know, um, you'll become young again. And it was kind of like that. There was this pool of Bethesda where people said, man, if you get in the water, you can be healed. And there were certain times when the water was moving or swirling or maybe springing up uh, or whatever. They said, if you were the first one to get in, After the water is refreshed, you'll be healed. And so because people thought there was healing and because they didn't have modern medicine, everybody flocked to this place. So especially imagine like this is festival season. Everyone's in the city. And so everyone who's sick is trying to go to this pool. Verse three says this, here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And we, again, we're we're, we're picturing a pool in 2019, surrounded by a deck. Oh, we're like picturing like the inning club or like One Ocean or something. Like it's nice. This wasn't nice. If you've ever been to like Jamaica and you've been to the infirmary, it's a little bit more like that. All the sick people who had no one to take care of them, who had no hope of healing, would just lie around this pool. Just hoping one day they might be healed. These were, these were people that um, were, were, really had no one to take care of them. So they didn't have like washers and dryers. They just wore the same dirty clothes. They had a little mat maybe to lay on. There was no plumbing. Many of them couldn't walk. And so you can imagine what was all over the ground. And so walking into this place, it smelled, it reeked. It reeked of, of decaying human bodies. You could see just, just the, the, the rags and the filth of all these people living around this hole in the ground, hoping that one day they'd be better. And the sounds that you would hear, the people crying out in agony. There's always something going on. It was hard to get any sleep because there's always sound and noise and people talking and things going on. And this is where they were all gathered around. It wasn't a pleasant place. It was a place probably that most healthy people tried to avoid. And because Jesus is Jesus, he went straight to it. He wasn't at like some glamour party with all the rich people. He went and he wanted to go see the people that were hurting the most. And so he goes to this ancient infirmary, essentially. And it says he noticed somebody. It says one who was there had been an invalid or, or crippled from the waist down, maybe, for 38 years. Now again, we hear that and we say, okay, like, like okay, he, he can't walk. but But it's, 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 it's more than that. When you see someone that's crippled, you can see it right away. I have a friend in Jamaica at that infirmary that I was referring to named Roland. He's been paralyzed for like about 30 years and he was running away from a riot and a stray bullet hit him in the, in the spine and, and paralyzed him from the waist down in the 1980s. And ever since, and he's been in this infirmary. And his upper body is totally normal. His mind's sharp. He can, he's on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. He's smart and he talks to us and all that kind of stuff. But his lower body is completely non-functioning. His legs have shriveled up. This is, this is what happens when you're crippled because your legs have no muscles. And so you can see it. And this man was laying there. He had been there for 38 years, laying there, just hoping that one day maybe he would be healed. And Jesus walks up to him. It says in verse six, when, when Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, which is really important for us to notice. Jesus knew who he was. He knew his name. He created him. He, he invented him. He, he, he knew how long he had been there. He knew what was going on, but he asks around about this man. He, here's what this, this, this detail is showing us. This detail is showing Jesus cared. Like he, he was willing to ask about, he, he's going around, hey, hey what's, What's the deal with that guy? What's his name? How long has he been here? What happened to him? And so he's asking for details because he notices him and he's being led to him and he has a, a divine appointment with this man. And after he asks around about him, he goes up to him and he asks him a question that's, that's not, just, not just obvious, like, of course, Jesus, like the answer to this question is so obvious. It's actually like borderline offensive. He goes up to him and he says this, do you want to get well? Imagine this, Jesus walks up to a guy he doesn't know. Who's crippled? Been that way for thirty-eight years. He says, "Do you want to get well?" Of course, he wants to get well. It would be like us going into like a a a cancer hospital and going into a bunch of people getting chemo and be like, "Hey, do you want to be healthy? Do you want to not have cancer anymore?" They'd be like, "Dude, who are you?" Like that's offensive. Like, of course, I want to be better. He says, "Do you want to get well?" And we'll get back to that question, but first, I want to look at his answer. He says, "Sir." I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. Wait, wait a second. Jesus asks a yes or no question. Do you want to get healed? He doesn't answer yes or no. He asks or he answers with his story. He answers with what he's tried to do. He answers with maybe his excuses, his history. He's like, well, well, listen, listen, Jesus. Like, like I have no one to help me into the pool. As you've noticed, I'm, I'm crippled. I, I, can't, I can't walk. I need some help. And when the water is stirred, no one's here to help me. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. They get there first, and so they get the possible healing. And so I'm just, I'm just sitting here. He gives him all the ways that he's tried to fix himself instead of just answering yes or no. But we see a few other things in his answer. Look what he says. I have no one to help me. Imagine this. You're sitting by a pool that's supposed to heal you. You know that if you get in first, you might be healed. If he had one person in his life, a family member, a friend, a friend, who was there for him? Don't you think that person would have come and helped him into the water? But we see in this story he's got nobody. He's got no friends, he's got no family. He has no hope. Imagine all the days he woke up and he thought maybe today's the day. Maybe today I'll get in the water first. Maybe I'll just soak in the water for a while. Maybe, maybe, maybe one day. But he couldn't do it himself. Sure he could he could try to roll in, but crippled people They can't swim, and he would have sunk to the bottom, and he wasn't going to just drown himself for the possibility of of healing, and so he just feels like he has no hope. He has nobody. He has nothing that he can do to get healing. Imagine that sitting next to this pool. It's supposed to to bring healing, and you're just hopeless. He didn't see an end in sight. He he didn't see any way that things were going to get better. He says, man, I've got no one to help me. I, 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 I try to get in, and then someone else gets in in front of me. Now let's turn this, let's turn this back to us for a second. Because many of us, many of us are kind of in this same situation, aren't we? Maybe not physically, but spiritually, emotionally, relationally. We're in a place where we feel like there is no hope. Maybe you've said, man, I've tried everything to deal with this temptation. I've tried everything to fix this relationship. I've tried everything to deal with this sin in my life. I can't do it. Nothing works. And you have lost hope. Maybe you come in here today and you're, and you're, you're kind of spiritually walking with a limp. Because, yeah, you know, school's going okay, whatever. But you've got something inside of you that's hurting. And maybe no one even sees it, but you know it. It's there. And, and you can't. Get past it. You can't get around it, and maybe it's maybe it's an addiction to some kind of substance like drinking or smoking. Maybe it's it's pride, and this pride is just within you, and you can't control it. Maybe it's selfishness, and you want to be giving, you want to be selfless, but you just don't know how, and you just can't figure out the solution. Maybe maybe it's pornography or lust, and and and, and the statistics say that it's probably. Eighty or eighty-five percent of us in this room that are dealing with that temptation and, and that sin, and, and you feel like, man, I can't fix that. Man, I can't, I can't, I can't stop watching. I can't stop doing this. I can't stop doing that. I can't fix my issue. I have no hope. Maybe it's your anger or your temper, and you say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow up. I'm not gonna blow up. I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna, and then you find yourself just just wreaking havoc on the people around you and yelling and screaming and, and, and getting in terrible situations because of your anger and your temper. Maybe you're obsessed with approval and you're like, man, I, I I don't know what it is, but I just want, I want the likes and the followers. I want the comments about how good I look. I want that relationship that makes me feel better. I want that popularity. I want that acceptance from that group of people. I want that acceptance from that friend or that family member. Like I need that to feel secure. And you're like, I can't control what I do to get that acceptance. Maybe, maybe it's a relationship that's broken. Maybe it's some bitterness or resentment in your heart. And you're like, I want to forgive. I, I want to move past it, but I don't know how. I can't do it. And I just have no hope at this point. I want to ask you the word, that G, the, the question that Jesus asked this man, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And maybe you think, of course, I want to get well. Of course, I want to get better. Of course, Ryan, like, why would you even ask that? That's offensive. Of course, I don't want to look at pornography anymore. Of course, I want that relationship to be fixed. Of course, I want to be more selfless and giving. Of course, I want to be in better relationships or, 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 or I want to get rid of the temper or the pride or the ego. Of course, of course, of course. But maybe it's not that simple. In fact, I guarantee it's not that simple. See, Jesus' question is really important because it cuts through all of our excuses. He's not asking, what did you do? How long have you been this way? What, 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 what are you trying to do now? What, what, who's, who's helped you? Have you gotten accountability? Have you, have you prayed this prayer? Have you done this? Have you, he just asks a yes or no question. Do you want to get well? And it cuts through everything else, all the excuses, all the history, all the stories, everything we've done, everything we've been through. And it gets right to the heart of the issue. Do we actually want to get well? In the area that you're struggling with, and and as I've been talking, it's come to your mind. It probably came to your mind right when I started talking. But in that area, do you actually want to get well? Here's a better way of asking it. Do you want to change? Do you want to change in that area of your life? This is really important hear this, listen to this, God won't change you until you want to be changed. God won't change you until you want to be changed, until you desire to be changed, until you need to be changed, until you're willing to be changed. I, I think God's saying, do you want to get well? And you're like, uh, uh, well, and we start telling our excuses in our story, and he's like, yeah, but do you want to get well? And I think we're not sure. I think in a lot of situations, we're not sure, and so We don't see change in our lives. Here's here's an example. If you went to the doctor and you had the flu or a sinus infection and he gave you a prescription and you're like, okay, and you went and you picked up the prescription at Publix or Walgreens or whatever, and then you take it home and it's two times a day. You got to take this morning and night and you go and you set out your pills, you set up your water, you set the alarm clock, take your pills at this time and take your pills at this time. And then for a week, you don't take the pills. And then you go back to the doctor, you're like, doc, man, I haven't gotten better. Fix me. Help me. Well, did you take the medicine? Well, okay, so like one night I I was tired. I went to sleep. One morning I was late for it. I just, did you take the medicine? No. All right, go home and take the medicine. All right, cool. You go home, and you don't take the medicine, and you come back. Did you take the medicine? No. You go home. You don't take the medicine. You come back. Doctor, help me. Help me get better. At some point, the doctor's going to say, well, do you want to get well? Do you actually want to get better? Or perhaps, perhaps this, this example might help you. Um, you're like, man, I want to lose like 10, 15 pounds. I want to tighten up a little bit, get that beach body going, all right? So I go to the, I go to the, the trainer at the gym, and I'm like, listen, man, I need you to get me in tip-top shape. And he's like, okay, give me $1,000. bucks. right, cool. Here's $1,000. All right, let me get you that nutrition plan. Let me tell you what to eat every meal. Let me tell you how to work out. Here's what you're going to do Monday. Here's what you're going to do Tuesday. Here's what you're going to do Wednesday. Cool, cool. So you go home or you go to Publix and you start buying everything. You buy all your meals and you cook them that night and you got like the lean chicken and the broccoli and there's no taste to it, but you're going to be healthy. You get it all set up, you put it in your Tupperware, you're drinking water, you got your protein shake, you're all good to go. And then you go and you get a bunch of Nike gear and you're feeling good. You get a little like some Nike freeze and some tights and you're like, man, I'm going to be awesome. You get the little gloves to make your, so you don't get calluses on your hands when you're working out and you're feeling good about yourself. Man, I'm going to be awesome. And then you don't go to the gym. Or maybe you do go to the gym and you get there and you walk in and you're like, oh, this is going to be hard. I'm going to go home. And then on the way home, I'm going to pick up a Big Mac and a pizza for later. And then you do that all week and you come back in. You're like, listen, trainer, you told me I was going to lose 15 pounds. And in one week, I've gained seven. What you doing, man? And he's like, well, did you work out? Well, well, listen, one day I was at work a while. And the next day, and he's like, well, did you work out? Well, no. Okay, go work out. Well, did you eat well? No. All right, go eat well. And you go to the next week and you come back, you're like, man, I've gained 20 pounds. Man, I'm falling apart ever since I met you and gave you $1,000. He's like, man, did you work out? Are you eating well? Well, no. And at some point, he might ask you, well, do you actually want to lose weight? Do you actually want to get fit? Do you actually want to get better? And you'd have to answer in that situation, I guess, Not. See, God's not going to change you until you're willing to be changed, until you're willing to go through with what it takes to be changed. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, and I want you to all just kind of think to yourself, if you're distracted right now, just zero in on this. If we're honest with ourselves, I think a lot of times we're comfortable where we are. See, we don't like how we feel after we do it, but here's the thing about sin. It's always fun. For a little while, it always feels good at first and then we deal with the consequences and then we deal with the relationships and then we deal with the fallout and then we deal with the shame and then we deal with the guilt and then we're like, man, I wish I had not done that but we keep on going. Why? Because we like the way it feels. It's familiar. It's nice. There's a reason it tempts us and if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we're comfortable where we are. We aren't sure that we actually want To change you like the way you feel when you put those substances in your body you like the way you feel when you have sex with that person you like the way you feel when you see those images on a screen you like the way you feel when you're selfish you like the way you feel when you're prideful you like the way it feels when someone accepts you and they say wow you're so great wow look at you you're the coolest wow you you like the way it feels to be judgmental you like the way it feels to go after these sins and these temptations and here's, here's the truth that we've got to come to grips with. We grow comfortable with the familiar, even if it isn't good for us. As human beings, we do this all the time. We grow comfortable with the familiar, even if it's not good for us. This is why people let their bodies go to waste and get unhealthy. Because they're, it's familiar. It's comfortable. And it may not be good for them, but they're going to do it anyway. This is why people keep chasing after sin. and keep chasing after the temptations of the world. And they keep doing things that aren't good for them. Why? Because they're familiar. They're comfortable. They feel good for a moment until they don't. I want you to imagine the man on the mat that Jesus came and said, do you want to get well to? He hadn't been anywhere in 38 years, had he? He didn't know what life was like outside the walls of that little pool area. He had his friends there. He didn't know anyone else. He didn't know what he would have to do if he started walking. I think he was comfortable. He had his mat. He had his little belongings. He had his area next to the pool in the shade. He might have said, you know what? This is okay for me. And we say, well, that's ridiculous. Of course he wanted to walk. Well, it would seem, of course, we want to grow in the areas that we're not growing, that we want to be delivered from some of the sins and temptations. But a lot of times we choose to stay where we are because we're comfortable. Because it's familiar. We've been reading this book uh, as, a, as, a, as a staff team here at Beach. It's called um, uh, "Strengthening Your Soul." And there's a quote in the book. it says this: "Some of us will wear ourselves out trying to change ourselves before we realize that it's not about fixing, it's about letting go." So we're going to wear ourselves out working and working and working, trying to fix ourselves. But it's not about fixing, it's about letting go. Listen to this next line, because this has been sticking with me for the last couple of months. Letting go of old patterns that no longer serve us. I know in my life recently, like the, the big thing that's been hitting me in the face is, is selfishness and my selfishness. And, and I've had to realize that my selfishness does not serve me well. It might feel good for a moment, when I get the little small things that I want, when I'm holding on to what I want to have, when I want to have it. But it hurts me. It hurts the people I love. It hurts my witness. It hurts. it hurts my life. And I've had to realize recently that until I let it go, it's going to continue haunting me. And I don't have to fix it. I just need to let it go. Because it no longer helps me. It's not serving me well. In, in, in high school and in college especially, I struggle with looking at pornography. And I know that this is an issue that many, many, many of you are struggling with. And you may not tell anybody, and you may keep it to yourself, and you may say, well, that's just a guy thing, or, or whatever. But here's the truth. We know the statistics. It, it, is, it is a huge thing. And now it's kind of morphed into sex thing and sin, all kinds of stuff. And just the lust of our eyes. And, and here, was, here was my deal. I may have said that I didn't want to do it. I may have said that, you know, that's that's wrong. I may have tried not to, but ultimately, I didn't really want to change. I just kind of kept on doing it. And I'd tell my life group, and we'd pray, and I'd hear the sermon, I'd read the Bible verse, and and I might might resist temptation here and there. but, But overall, I didn't actually want to change, and so I didn't. And it wasn't until I started deciding in my mind, this no longer serves me well. It actually never served me well. This actually is hurting me more than it's helping me. It wasn't until I decided that for myself that change began to happen. See, God was waiting the whole time. Do you want to be made well? And I might say at an altar, oh, God, please help me. Well. No, no, I didn't want to be made well. I wanted to keep doing what I was doing because I liked it. Maybe you're in that spot where you're like, man, I, I just, I, I want to stop, but I, but I just keep on doing it because I like it. And it wasn't until I made a choice for myself, I want to be changed, that I was changed. And I won't say that after college, it was never an issue, but it became far less prevalent. And for the last few years, four, over four years, like I, or four years, I have not even like thought about it, really wanted to do it one time. And some of you say, well, that's impossible. There's no hope that I'll ever be like that well, do you want to be made well? Do you actually want to change? Do you actually want to be healed? Do you actually want to do what it takes to move past where you've been and go somewhere else? Or do you just want to sit where you're comfortable? Well, I don't like it, but it feels good. Well, I don't like it, but I'm just going to keep on doing it. I'm just going to keep on smoking it. I'm just going to keep on saying it. I'm just going to keep on going for it. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing because it's comfortable. It feels good. It's familiar. Well, then you don't want to be made well. See, I said I said at the beginning, it's not as obvious as it sounds, is it? See, we think, oh, it's so obvious. Of course I want to be made better. But do you actually want to change? Do you actually want to do the tough things, have the tough conversations, have the tough uh, 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 obstacles in your life and, and go through the certain things? Like like this is why people that are on drugs don't get off drugs because they'd rather stay where they are than go through the rehab, than go through the withdrawal, than go through all the things that come along with it. Ultimately, they don't really want to be changed. So you've got to make a decision now. While you're young, do you want to be changed in the area that you're struggling with? Let me, let, me, let me finish off quickly with what happens. Verse eight, the guy gives his excuse. And verse eight, Jesus said to him, well, get up, pick up your mat and walk. This word for walk is not just kind of just limp out. This word for walk is to make progress, to go live, to take advantage of opportunities. This is like a lifestyle that he's saying. He's like, "Man, go and live a new life. And the man had a choice. He could have just stayed there and said, ah, I don't know. I haven't been outside these walls. I don't know about how my, I don't know if I want to walk around. Man, I like being here. But in that moment, he says, I'd rather leave this discomfort, even if it means going into another kind of discomfort, because it's going to be better for me. Here's what happens. At once, he didn't even have to think about it. He knew he wanted to change. He was tired of living the same way. It says, at once, at once, at once. Everybody say at once. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. You think he stayed at the pool? You think he stayed in the filth? No, he walked out of that place a new man. In fact, it says that he walked out, he started like praising and like, and people were like, well, who healed you? And he's like, I don't know. And then Jesus comes up to him later and tells him who he is. And then he goes around telling everybody, man, Jesus healed me. He was a testimony to God's power. Why? Because he said, I'm ready to change. And God said, okay, it's time. And a cool thing about this is that that pool of Bethesda, that that translation for Bethesda, it could mean um, like a house of, of, of shame or a house of disgrace. But another translation for it is a house of mercy and grace. And so Jesus comes into a situation and changes something from disgraceful to graceful. Changes something from shameful to full of mercy. This is an amazing act of God. And this can happen in your life. You may say, oh, no, it's not going to happen. It can. If you're ready to change.